Welcome to the important part, investing with Liz Young. I'm Liz Young, head of investment strategy at SoFi, here to help cut through the large amount of information out there about investing and get to the important part. With the help of my guests, you'll gain valuable insights, new perspectives, and the knowledge to confidently make your investment decisions. Hello and happy new year, everybody. Welcome to The Important Part, a bonus episode where I am taking your questions. I am so overwhelmed by the questions that I got. I got a lot more than I thought I would. I might even have to do a couple more episodes like this so that I can get them all answered. I chose a handful of questions, some of which are the most popular topics that I got. So there were a number of you that asked about the same topic, and I'll make sure to answer those. And I want to start off, too, with just a little bit of an outlook for 2022. My written outlook has been released. So read through that for a lot more detail. But just in general, we're here on the first couple weeks of 2022, and I'm excited to see how this sort of shapes up as we enter a monetary tightening cycle and as the Fed tries to uh, dance this line between still supporting the economy and allowing for growth, but controlling prices. So I'm going to start with this question. What investment themes do you like for 2022? Because that's a great way to frame the outlook, a great way to frame this discussion and this Q&A. The big theme that I see in 2022 is what I'll call tougher competition. And what I mean by that is, first, we are looking at tougher comps from an earnings standpoint. We're looking at tougher comps from a growth standpoint. So from an earnings standpoint, 2021 was a rock star year for corporate earnings. And when we measure earnings, we do it year over year. So what you're going to see in 2022 is that base number that we're comparing the year-over-year growth to has gotten a lot higher for most companies. I do think that we'll have another strong earnings year in 2022. But what it also means is that as companies continue to grow, you're going to see a more normalized growth rate. So in 2021, that was an outsized expectation. It was an outsized rate. We're going to see a little bit more normalized rates in 2022 for corporate earnings growth. We're also going to see more normalization in GDP growth. We obviously had a huge rebound off of a bottom. And when you look at economic growth and manufacturing growth and productivity growth, that rebound period is always going to be slightly overstated or exaggerated because it's coming off of such a small base. So as we get into 2022, a little bit more uh, strong growth behind us and those comps get tougher as well. Theme number two, yield curve climbs the hill. I continue to say this. I'm not the only one who (laughs) continues to say this, and I'm not giving up on it. In 2022, I think the yield curve finally steepens. I think we finally see long-term rates move up. Now, are we going to see them move up meaningfully? Are we going to see them eclipse levels that we haven't seen in a long time? I don't know that we're going to see an eclipsing of levels like 2.5-3% on the 10-year, but I do think that we will get out of this period where the 10-year yield is uh, perplexingly depressed. And we have to, right? You want to watch the spread between the two-year and the 10-year for an economic growth signal. Third big theme, the clean energy transition. And I also want to acknowledge uh, we still haven't gotten really a clear expectation of what's going to happen on fiscal spending 
in 2022 and what kind of package we might see, if a package at all. But there is still a chance, obviously, that we get some fiscal support for clean energy. It has been clear as day that investors are encouraged and excited about this space. When you think about electric vehicles, you think about just climate change and the idea of protecting the environment. There are a lot of investors, younger investors especially, who are excited about investing in that theme because it means something to them. So I think that clean energy transition from an investment perspective continues. And then lastly, the fourth theme that I would be watching in 2022 is I think we're going to see a lot of currency volatility. And the reason for that is you're starting to see central banks around the globe take different paths. You're starting to see them tighten at different speeds, tighten at different times, and have different outlooks and different perspectives on how to control prices and stimulate growth in their economies. And what that also does is likely drive more crypto adoption. So crypto obviously is a newer asset class in the last five years or so to many investors. I think it continues to be adopted in 2022, and people will continue to learn more about it investors that haven't dipped their toes in yet, likely to start dipping their toes in. But also something to watch is crypto regulation in 2022. So I think we're going to get a lot more information on that front, and it'll be a really interesting year for that asset class. All of that was just question number one. <laughs> so now, now moving on to question number two, what are three economic indicators you're watching for 2022? Now, I want to be very specific about how I'm answering this question. The question was economic indicators, not market indicators. That would be a different answer. So when we're looking at economic indicators, what are you watching for 2022? Now, there's always economic indicators that you're watching constantly, the, the basic ones. You're watching GDP growth. You're watching unemployment. All of those things that are kind of the tried and true, put your finger in the air and feel the pulse of the economy. But when we look at the environment that we're entering in 2022, here are some really important things that I'd be watching. What I would watch is the difference between PPI, so that's the producer price index, and CPI, the consumer price index. And the reason I would watch the difference is because PPI is more indicative of what companies are paying in order to actually make their products. CPI is indicative of what consumers are paying to purchase the end result. And when there's a big spread between the two, if producers and companies are paying more than what consumers are paying, that means to me that they're not passing it all the way through and they're eating some of that increased cost. Okay. So over time, if that continues, it's going to raise the costs to companies or we would have an expectation that more and more of those costs start to get passed through to consumers. Obviously, some of those costs have already been passed through to consumers. We're feeling it and we're seeing it in the numbers, but you want to watch that to see what could be coming down the road. You also want to watch services inflation. So we've been talking a lot about goods inflation. What has the cost of, let's say, autos, um, some of the other daily purchases that we make in goods, watch services inflation because that also tends to be stickier. So there's this whole debate about transitory inflation. Services inflation is generally not transitory. So far, services inflation has not picked up a ton. If we see it start to pick up in 2022, that would be something that would tell me that inflation is going to stick around a bit longer. The savings rate came back down to pre-pandemic levels at the end of 2021. That's a good thing. That means consumers are spending 
What we want to watch, though, is how quickly it bleeds. So how quickly do consumers spend down their savings and how close do they get to having to take out credit in order to continue spending at that level? And then lastly, CapEx. You're probably going to hear a lot about how much companies are spending this year. You want them to spend on CapEx and invest in the business, invest to grow. We can watch CapEx indicators as the year goes on to hopefully see a lot of spending on the business side. All right, question number three. This topic was by far the most popular. What are the top sectors? What are the top size categories? Which style do you favor? Which region do you favor for 2022? Would you favor mid-cap over small-cap? What's your favorite asset class, energy, or tech? There were a lot of questions about this, so I want to address this in the best way that I can and be as specific as I can. First and foremost... Would you favor mid-cap over small-cap in 2022? Uh, This will come as a surprise to no one that my answer is (laughs) small-cap. I have been constructive on small-cap for a while. I continue to be constructive on small-cap. Reasons for that being, if you dig into the sector makeup, not even just small-cap versus large-cap, but small-cap versus mid-cap too, it's really going to matter in 2022. So the biggest sectors in the Russell 2000, which is a small-cap index, are healthcare and financials. They make up more than 34% of the index. Biggest sector in the mid-cap index is still technology, almost 20% of that index. And as we all know, biggest sector in the large-cap indices is tech as well. So in a period where we know the Fed is tightening, we know that tapering is occurring, and we are expecting rate hikes in the middle to second half of 2022, So when you look at what that does to certain sectors, technology clearly more sensitive to that. Some of those high growth sectors clearly more sensitive to that. And just the sector makeup alone gives small cap more of a tailwind in that environment. Also, when you look at what's going to happen from a currency volatility standpoint, the dollar is going to participate in that volatility as well. And in multinational corporations, you are more exposed to that foreign exchange risk. So making revenue in other currencies and then having to translate it back to the dollar. Small caps have a majority of their revenue still as domestic revenue. So they don't have to go through as much of that foreign exchange risk and headwind. A lot of people want me to call one favorite sector. I'm not going to do that. Uh, (laughs) That's a very easy way to be wrong. But what I will say, and, and this is in my outlook as well, What I will say is, in this environment, financials is something that still should benefit. And especially in a steepening yield curve environment, you should see financials benefit from a net interest margin perspective. Financials get sort of just a nice broad-based tailwind from that. Banks probably benefit a little bit more than other financials in that space, but I think financials on the whole do well. Healthcare. Now, this is not a call for the yield curve. This is not a call about rising interest rates. But healthcare is a sector that I think is completely changed forever because of this pandemic. And innovation in the healthcare sector has sped up because of the pandemic. And I think that's going to continue for years to come. Obviously, demand for healthcare is here to stay. I think that's a great sector to be invested in. Small caps I've already talked about. One of the other things that I think is really interesting to think about in 2022, probably later in 2022, so we'll say spring, summertime at the earliest, but the international investing landscape and some of the opportunities that would be available. Obviously, Europe and other 
international developed markets have been behind us and have suffered more in the pandemic due to shutdowns, due to a lack of travel and tourism and a number of other forces that have been at work. But I think international investing has a bit of a revival in 2022. And then lastly, I'll be very specific about this one, energy or tech for the year, energy, particularly clean energy, but I think energy in general can do well. All right, moving right along. Question number four. This was another really popular one, and I sort of answered it already in question number three, so that was a spoiler alert. But I got a lot of questions about international investing versus domestic investing. I do think that there is going to be a revival in international investing in 2022, but I will be very specific to say that I don't think it's broad-based. Now, when you look at the areas that I think can benefit... The index, that's the MSCI EFA, so that's Europe, Australasia, and the Far East. The biggest sectors in that index are industrials, financials, and discretionary. So I think the sector makeup alone gives that index a nice opportunity in 2022 to do well. Industrials and financials are cyclicals. They also should be beneficiaries in a rising rate environment. And then discretionary, the consumer has not come back as much in international markets as it has in the U.S. So there's still room for the consumer to grow in Europe and in developed Asia. So when you look at it from that perspective, again, sector makeup is a nice tailwind. Valuations. The valuations in the U.S. market right now, large cap, trading at about 21.3 times forward earnings. Developed international trading only at 15 times forward earnings. Emerging markets at 12.3 times. And what we've said about that before is sometimes valuations are that way for a reason. Sometimes things are trading cheaper because they deserve to be trading cheaper. And that has been true for a while of international markets, particularly emerging markets and some of the debt issues that we've seen there. In 2022, though, when we're looking at valuations coming back into the forefront and valuations really mattering as rates rise, it's important to take that into account in your investing decisions. And international is certainly attractive uh, from that perspective. And then the other thing I would say is when we're thinking about an equity allocation, I'm going to get into this a little bit more in the next question, but when we're thinking about an equity allocation in a period where the market is going to have a few more headwinds and a few more challenging obstacles from a monetary policy standpoint, there are a lot of people asking about what do I do in my equity allocation to take some of the risk off one of the options there is dividend payers. And I got a decent amount of questions about equity income and dividend payers. There are a lot of dividend-paying stocks in Europe and in the UK. So there's a huge opportunity set of dividend-paying stocks when you get outside U.S. borders. And then lastly, just activity picking up, travel picking up. If we finally go back into a travel situation where U.S. travelers can go to Europe again and European travelers can leave Europe again. And we have uh, an uptick in just leisure travel and activity. All right. I promised that I would get to something like this. Question number five. I really liked this question and it's something that uh, a lot of people, I think, wonder about. I'm going to I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit and add in some other questions that I got that were similar. This one in particular is I feel like a 90 percent stock allocation is too risky but I don't want bonds in a rising rate environment and I don't want too much in cash. Where else is there to go? Okay, so first, make sure that the equity exposure you have, that 90% in equity or whatever you have, 
inequities is broad enough and includes the things that I've already talked about. So I think that there are a lot of investors that finished 2021 and are probably coming into 2022 still overweight large cap and still overweight technology. Now, I'm not necessarily saying to underweight. It all depends on, obviously, your own risk tolerance, your time horizon, and all of those things. But this is a period where you want to make sure that you have exposure to the other things that are likely to do well in a rising rate environment, in an inflationary environment, in a more normalizing growth environment, okay? So we already talked about financials. We talked about industrials. We talked about healthcare small caps, international equities. So make sure that you're looking at your portfolio and you have a already well-diversified equity exposure. Then think about what you can do within that equity exposure. So you can look at things like there are ETFs out there that are specifically investing in low volatility stocks, right? You can buy some more defensive type equity exposure. You can also use things if you're if it's available to you in your account. You can buy put options, on either a broad equity index or on some of the individual positions that you have in your account. And that will bring down the beta exposure and the drawdown risk in your stock allocation. Now, I think the other real question behind this is, will there come a time when stocks are less attractive? And uh, so far, that's not the case. So far, stocks still offer upside. They still offer attractive income and dividend payers compared to what you can get in a very low-risk treasury security. Over time, that relationship will change. But for the time being, stocks are still attractive. The other thing that you can think about is alternatives. The best way that I can define alternatives is that it's anything that isn't stock bonds or cash. Now, you can have alternative asset classes, things like real assets, commodities, currencies, options, uh, alternative debt, or you can have alternative approaches to investing. So there are a lot of active managers out there that run alternative strategies that use traditional asset classes. So things like absolute return strategies, uh, things like there are a lot of hedging strategies out there. Many of those use just traditional stocks, bonds, cash type of asset classes, but they do it in a way or with a technique that makes it an alternative product. So Think about what your objectives are and think about some of the alternatives that are available to you out there. I'd also put crypto into that category as an alternative to traditional asset classes. Also, cash is not a bad option. Nobody wants to hold cash because they feel like it's dead money. You're not going to make a ton of money on cash, but it's not a bad option just to keep some dry powder around if the market moves and you want to have an opportunity to deploy it. So cash is not something that you should completely eliminate from the portfolio. And the last question that I'm going to answer today in the interest of time is, what is your black swan? Well, that's a tough one to answer because, uh, first of all, basically a, a black swan is something that you don't see coming. So chances are, if there is a black swan event in 2022, it'll be something that none of us predicted. The other piece of that is, what are the things... I guess the, the question that I think is probably important to answer here is what's something that is slowly possibly presenting itself as an issue that could grow into an issue, but we're not sure yet. And for me, that answer would be 
consumer credit, maybe auto loans. So we saw this, this huge surge in auto sales, used vehicles, new vehicles. There's still used vehicles that are selling for more than a new vehicle, which is just flabbergasting to me. So when we look at a rising rate environment, when we look at consumers that are still interested in buying vehicles and we're spending down our savings in 2022, I think that there is a chance that people spend a little bit too fast. There's uh, what we keep talking about at SoFi is revenge spending. So if people spend too much and they overextend their means or they reach out in consumer credit in order to keep that spending up, then we could see an issue with consumer credit in 2022. And then it's what do we watch to see if that's a, if that's occurring? There is a, a report that's issued about consumer credit. You can see the average credit score that is being approved. You can see average credit card balances. You can see average consumer loan balances. I would watch just the trends that are occurring in consumer credit in 2022. Well, thank you all so, so much for your questions. I was delighted with how many I got. So many of them were very, very good questions. And because it was so popular, I'll probably have to do more Q&A episodes in the future. So watch for that as the year progresses. I hope you all are having a wonderful new year. I wish you a prosperous investing year. And I look forward to sharing the next episode with you soon. So that's it for this episode. For more from me, check out my weekly column on the markets every Thursday morning on the SoFi blog at sofi.com slash blog and follow me on Twitter for daily takes on the market at Liz Young Strat. Thank you for listening and I look forward to bringing you next month's episode of The Important Part. The Important Part is produced by SoFi in partnership with Pod People. Special thanks to our production team, Sarah Lee Kane, our producer, Brian Rivers, our production manager, and Andy Bosnack, our editor and sound engineer. SoFi can't guarantee future financial performance and past performance is no guarantee. This podcast should be used for informational purposes only and not deemed as a recommendation. Our automated investing is via SoFi Wealth LLC and is a registered investment advisor. Our active investing is via SoFi Securities LLC, member FINRA SIPC. For additional disclosures related to the SoFi Invest platforms, please visit sofi.com legal.